0: Coming up on today's Next Fan Up podcast. A
1: coach slash parent have all the power but no control. All right, I am back. All right, cool. Give him a good tip.
0: Make sure to tip uh, your food delivery guy. I just did not long ago. Merrill Hodge, Matt Williamson, the Combine, the Steelers, free
2: agency. Here we go that's how we score Yeah, baby. Thirty-two super fans. Where do the reports come from? Did you get an initial? One pod vader. That's what okay. Football. Okay. Every angle of the NFL covered. All that kind of stuff. I get it. This this no question about it. Is next
0: fan up?
3: We gonna unleash hell here and be something.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to this Steeler-centric edition of the Next Up Podcast. It's Vader, everybody. Hope you're having a wonderful NFL off season. I know we are, we being myself and the superfans. I know you're missing the superfans. If you are missing the superfans, you're going to hear a lot from them over the next couple weeks as free agency starts getting underway. The legal tampering period is going to happen starting next week. But before we get there... We just had the combine going to talk to my good friend, Matt Williamson, the former Cleveland Brown scout guy worked with at ESPN for a number of years on football today. He's now a podcaster doing all sorts of wonderful stuff. He was at the combine. We're going to talk to him about some of the things that he's seen at the combine. Then uh, had the opportunity to talk to former Steeler running back, the factor back Merrill Hodge, talk to him about a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, specifically, we did talk a little bit about the Steelers situation right now with Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, and let me just say, he doesn't hold back. Uh, it's uh, very interesting. We want to hear from you, too. Uh, if you've got something you want to add to the show, all you need to do is send us an email, nextfanup at gmail.com. You can also tweet us, at NFUPodcast. we got a Facebook page, facebook.com slash NFUPodcast. Or just search for next fan up. You're going to be able to find it pretty easy. You can interact with us there, and then we'll, you know, we'll talk to you specifically on this podcast. So uh, reach out and uh, get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, so without further ado, let's bring in. Uh, well,
2: you know who I. You know who it is
0: It's my pleasure now to bring back an old friend of the podcast, an old friend of mine. It is the former scout, Matt Williamson, M dub. What is happening? Pod Vader, what is up, brother? How are you? It has certainly been too long. We we, we can't we can't have these stretches that go this far apart. It's yeah. Not, it's not acceptable.
3: I 100% agree. I just got back from Indy a night ago, saw a bunch of our old cohorts floating around town, too. Some with ESPN still, some not, of course. But, uh, yeah, it was great to see a bunch of faces. I haven't seen your smiling mug in a
0: while. Yeah, well, uh, I don't know when the next time you'll see me. But if, you know, you uh, have a food delivery or something, you know, there's a chance I could come to your door. You never know. <laughs> Uh, I'm glad you brought up Indy because that's exactly why I reached out to you to talk to you on the podcast was this the first time you've been to the combine or have you been to others
3: no 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 Steeler Nation Radio has sent me now four years in a row we set up on Radio Row and actually we were right next to ESPN I grabbed Matthew Barry for an interview it's a fun time because there's people walking around that I grab in the business I was on the air four hours a day and, of course, I went when I was with the Browns, of course. I And I think I did a year or two early in my ESPN days with McShay's crew. I used to go to the Senior Bowl and Combine with those guys.
0: Okay. How so, yeah. has how's it changed? How has it evolved oh, over the
3: years? It really has. I mean, even, like, if you talk to the old school guys, or even, like, my first couple years there, it, it was very lightly attended and... Uh, publicized compared to now. I mean, now there's a fan experience. At one o'clock, the doors open and there's fans everywhere. They can try on Super Bowl rings. They can do a bench press. the The big bench press thing is going right next to us on a big stage. It's totally full, mostly with scouts, but also with fans. You know, all the the podiums are set up right next to us, and that's just right in the convention center. And access into the building itself to see the tests is easier. But it's crazy for me. Is you know, I'm catching up on everything now. I'm All day, la- I'm, I'm watching on NFL Network that I recorded because I'm kind of out of the loop on the testings because I'm on the air the whole time. Mm.
0: So I'm saying. Well, well, you know, I, I know from talking to, to the guys back at ESPN, and we had Dave T. Thomas on last week tell us, the combine for teams, really the only important part are the medical stuff. You know, they get all I the medical information. How and much- feels, yeah. Yeah, Well, that's going to be the – that's what I'm leading to. So how much of that do you agree with and how much of the testing actually does get, um, you know, included in the scouting report for a player? Yeah. I mean,
3: really the original reason for having the combine was let's get 32 groups of team doctors all together working on one young man's knee, whatever. So we don't have to travel all over the world. It'll save money for all of us to be here once, one-stop shopping. And that doesn't mean they all interpret a bad knee the same. I mean, they all have the same data. They all have the same access. But 29 teams might say that knee's great. And the other ones might say, I don't know. So it's all, uh, you know, each team's interpretation. And to me, that is the most important thing that happens in Indy. Because when a guy falls, wow, he's a first-rounder. Why is he still available in the fourth? It's almost always medical. And those are the things that are hardest to get your – the info on too. Um, people often talk about, well, the other thing that people don't realize is, you know, all the interviews. And I do think the interviews are great because it's a lot of the time, especially the coaches first time to actually speak to some of these young men. But a lot of them are in 15 minute intervals where by the time you shake hands, sit down, you know, stand up and leave at the end. I think you can kind of fudge your way through that a little bit more than people like to, like to believe And people are getting better at that now. Yes, it's important, but hey, I mean, the, the physical tests are important too. I mean, to me, this is a big piece of the scouting puzzle overall. But I'm more into three cone drills and shuttles and things like that. Like, I don't care much about the bench. I think the 40s overrated, and it's all t- position dependent, of course. But those drills are important, and it's you know it's valuable to have 25 wide receivers all next to each other on the same surface doing the same things.
0: Um, obviously nobody wants to get the next Mike Mamula, the workout warrior who um, wows at the combine and then underperforms in the NFL. But this year's workout warrior might be DK Metcalf, but he was already listed as a top wide receiving prospect. Was
3: he right? Not? Absolutely. And he, he had some injuries. He has two other guys on his team that are going to get drafted at the same position, but massively looks like Tarzan, too. Like, you can't miss this guy, and you see the the pictures online with him without a shirt on. Holy smokes, I can't believe he's a wide receiver. So he catches your eye no matter what. Highly productive when he gets the chance, though. I mean, like, if you just look at his box score numbers, they're not that great. But I've seen some of the analytical ta- people talking about production per route run is a lot better than just his, you know, Final Fantasy line. Blew it up at the Combine. But I do urge people to to double check. I mean, I mentioned shuttles and three cones. All his change of direction drill stuff he did was at the bottom of the list. You know, and Mike Evans was that way. I mean, you'll see guys that are that way that are still successful, but you better be used that way too. I don't want him exploding in and out of breaks as much as, you know, running downfield and being big. So be careful that you don't overlook where he fell short too.
0: The super fans have some phenomenal questions here about, scouting in the combine uh nick wants to know how much does the combine actually move players on the board can it move them up one round two rounds do you see any of those any of those things happening and you hear any of those conversations at saint elmos yes i i think so um the standard scout answer is boy he ran
3: faster than i thought boy he ran slower than i thought i need to go back to the tape and see if I miss something or watch the wrong games or whatever. And that's definitely true. But I also think the truth is it breaks a lot of ties. Um, a guy that runs much better or tests much better than you thought absolutely moves up. I know that people say they don't. I don't believe that. I think a round or two is certainly possible. Um, but I also think that the key is the coaches get involved, and they weren't involved at the beginning. And now that they're involved, they say, boy, here's this moldable lump of athletic clay. I'm the best coach in the world. I'll turn him into a star, you know, where they weren't in the scouting process a week, a month or two ago.
0: I'm glad you mentioned the, you know, got to put his game tape back on because James, our Eagles super fan, uh, mentions that we often hear scouts say, just put on his game tape when referencing some prospects. And then others will say, well, we'll wait till the combine. What basic thought process is behind each of those statements? And which is more true? Um, that one might be more scout to scout, team to
3: team. I certainly think that there are teams that lean tape over athleticism and spark scores and things like that, and I think there's vice versa.
0: That's a tough one to answer. I mean, I don't know that there's a definitive answer on that one. I'm glad you brought up spark scores because James is our Texan super fan. He's very much into the stats and wants to know how many teams are using spark score instead of just the raw numbers. And do teams have their own version of the spark that combines all the numbers into a single number?
3: Yeah, I do think that more and more people are using that because it absolutely is noteworthy and proven, but I think even more so though, like I recently wrote articles that I think specific drills, the smartest teams are looking at specific drills for specific positions. In an article I just wrote, there's a real obvious correlation between the three cone and edge pass rushers. Like Von Miller has the best three cone in recent memory. JJ Watts was terrific. Like there's the guys that are elite in that category rarely bust and they turn, you know, good prospects into exceptional, all time great ones. And another one that I'm a big believer in is offensive linemen short shuttle. You know, like you'd think, why do I care about big fat guys doing the short shuttle? Well, if you think about it, they're always blocking men that are much more athletic than them, often in some sort of space. It might be tight quarters, but it's not just you got your hands on a barium. You got to go hit a moving target. You have to change directions. You have to change your course. And a big thing I learned from Phil Savage, who learned it from Ozzie Newsom and the Ravens, is with offensive linemen, if you're smart and you're tough, it's really hard to get you out of the lineup and you often have a very long, successful career. But if you can add that athleticism in terms of changing directions in space, all of a sudden now you have a top-notch prospect.
0: Hmm. Make sense? He- it does. It does. Uh, James also wants to know which of the stats are just threshold stats and what are incremental. And uh, For an example, he says, does it matter if a dude can do 30 reps or 31 reps, or is it more important that he just exceeded 25?
3: Yeah, that's a good way of thinking about it, especially with that drill. Like, I mean, one thing I do, when the, I'll do this tomorrow, when the combine's all done, I'll look at every drill, and I'll look at who were the top 10%, who were the top – who are the bottom ten percent? You know, who are the outliers? And everybody in the middle's kind of the same. You know what I mean? Mm. But especially for the the bench, because I think that's a dumb drill, to be honest with you. Like my the strength coach I was with at Pitt hated it and he quickly convinced me that it makes no sense. And here's the logic why is football, you play for what, five, six, seven seconds, and then you rest for thirty. And then you go exert a lot of effort again and then you rest for a while, and then you do it again, and then you sit on the bench. You know, where the the strength test, the bench test, is really more of an endurance test where how long can you continue to move this 225 around as opposed to exerting a lot of power in a short burst and then stopping and trying again. I don't know how there would be a better one. You don't put 450 on the bar, people get hurt, you know what I mean, and do it once. So that one I don't put much into, but I do think that, because you know the test is coming, you have the cheat sheet that, you know, you know what you're going to be asked to do. If you come in there and you look really poor doing it, it just makes you wonder how much time did you spend in the weight room? How seriously did you take the test? But even if a guy comes in and does 45 as opposed to 30, I'm not like, boy, he's a ton stronger for football.
0: <laughs> uh, got another one more question here. This one's cool. from Monty. Uh, and this one is, um, It's a little bit uh, deeper than than some of these other ones. And it has to go with how much the scouts are aware of the media pumping up a guy during a process. He says, like, if a scout comes back from indies drinking with other scouts and after watching the game film is shocked to see ESPN touting someone as a day one guy when literally nobody that watched the guy play thought he would go until round three – or are they just oblivious to what the draft are saying, have their heads down and working nonstop? My guess is it's probably a little bit of both, right? I'm sure
3: there are some grinders, you know, that don't care at all. And I'm sure your boy Belichick doesn't care one bit. You know what I mean? Doesn't influence his life one bit. And we see his drafts do that time and time again where Mel and Todd go, wow, I can't believe it took him in the second round. You know, but overall I think more and more the media influences things. And Late night at the bars. You're seeing team, official, you know, team guys, scouts, you know, coaches interacting with with um, you know media members left and right. Not even necessarily just the big name guys, but there's a lot of that interaction. Everyone in the world's on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, and the world's smaller now. And the other thing is, I think more than ever, there's so many good media evaluators out there now, and even some of the fantasy guys, you know that. I've come up with new metrics that make a lot of sense that I think you're foolish if you, I mean, it used to be a scout, like I want every tool I can get. I'm going to go to the combine. I'm going to talk to this guy. I'm going to watch this film. I'm going to go to the senior bowl. Well, a tool I would use if I was in the league now is I'm going to hear what media members have to say. Like, that doesn't mean I have to agree with them, but why not hear one more good opinion?
0: Well, and one of them became a general manager. Yeah, think, right, right, right. So. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's probably not a bad idea. Right, right. Um, People are buying in. Uh, I, I definitely wanted to ask you about some specific players, but I know on one of your 10 million podcasts, I'm sure you'll you'll cover some of that. You got anybody that uh, really caught your eye that nobody else is necessarily talking about? Hmm.
3: I'm sure, but I don't know that anyone comes to mind just jumping off the page right now. Um, I'm probably in about step five of 10 in my draft prep. So Mm. I've been a little reluctant, you know, to stand on the table for guys. Um, but I'm starting to really warm up to the class overall. And, you know, the the last day of watching tape today, I mean, it's Monday here around 430 Eastern. I'll be a lot more knowledgeable later in the week, to be very honest with you. But I'm warming up to some guys, but not ready to plant my flag on any yet.
0: How about for uh, fantasy? Monty wanted to give you want to give you a chance to plug uh, your Dynasty podcast. Anybody, yeah, uh, anybody improved their uh, draft position in the quite Dynasty? a bit. I mean,
3: there's a lot of this receiver class in general, and the top of the tight end class in general really looks good. This could rival the Ingram, Howard, Najoku, Kittle class for tight ends. Um, you mentioned Metcalf, but there's. 10, 12 other receivers, I think stock is on the rise. So we'll be talking about that a lot. That's Dynasty Blueprint. That's a lot of Dynasty talk. And then I'm, I'm on Locked on NFL every day, too. Where can people find you, M-Dub? Those two podcasts, and uh, just check me out on Twitter, at WilliamsonNFL. Awesome.
0: M-Dub, cool, we will definitely have you back again much sooner than uh, last time. And uh, make sure to tip uh, your food delivery guy.
3: I just did not long ago.
0: <laughs> All right, brother. Good stuff. Thanks, M Dub. We'll see it. There goes M Dub. Great stuff from him. I'm sure we'll be talking to him again very soon. Before we get to uh, Merrill Hodge, just wanted to bring up the fact that uh, there's a lot of things going on right now in the NFL. A lot of key, important dates to keep in mind as we move forward here uh, in the 2019 season, and specifically. The new season begins on Wednesday, March 13th at 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, And that is legitimately when uh, people can be signed, free agents can be signed to new teams. Now, the quote-unquote legal free agent tampering period actually starts, uh, I heard it's on Sunday. I thought it was Monday, but apparently it'll start on Sunday afternoon Uh, That's when teams are going to be able to actually start negotiating with free agents. So we're going to hear about some big names getting signed to some teams even before that Wednesday 4 p.m. deadline. Now, we will be back here on this particular podcast next week, probably on Thursday. And then maybe, hopefully, I'm working working all these things out with the superfans. Uh, we'll have another update over the weekend. So we'll get you two big podcasts there to get you some reactions. And that's honestly what the super fans are really good for. You're going to find out specifically from the guys that know their teams the best, exactly how they feel about a specific free agent coming to their team and how that free agent's going to fit with the team that they currently have. So a lot of good stuff coming up for you here on Next Fan Up. And still a lot more to come here with the show. With Lucky Lands Plus, you can get lucky just about
2: anywhere.
1: This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. (gasps) No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.
3: In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
2: Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: It's my pleasure now to bring in a man that you all know and love as a eight-year veteran of the NFL. The man who bring you the factor back. It's Merrill Hodge. Hey, Merrill. How you doing?
1: I'm good, my friend. I'm really good.
0: Dude, there's so much that I want to get uh, talking to you about, and I know you've got this new thing, yourcallfootball.com, and we're definitely going to get into some of that. But uh, you know, I think the biggest question that most of our fans want to know—they sent in these questions—is do you buy twelve-foot-long ties? What is the secret behind the knot on your ties?
1: <laughs> well, it's actually a uh, has a little bit to do with the material and the collar, but my my tie is normal length. It's not anything longer than a normal tie. The fabric sometimes a little thicker, so that I can add to the knot. But then, uh, like I design all my shirts, and that plays a role in it. The, the, the length of my collar and the uh, and the width of it. So that plays into it. And then how I've been tying it since I was eight years old. Which I, people ask me, and they got the full Windsor. And actually, I think I looked it up one time. It would be a half windsor quite honestly based on Mm. a terminology, but I call it the Haji knot. So it's just, it's all I've ever known. It's how I've done it from the day I was eight when I had to go to church. So (laughs) that's how I do it. (laughs) Listen,
0: you gotta, you gotta trademark that one, the Haji knot. I mean, that's, it's done. I, I think we've got it on record now. It's recorded. So no one can steal it. It's, it's your, it's your knot.
1: There you go, baby. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, so much to talk to you about. I mean, there's so much in the news that, that that I think you could provide, you know, fans of the game a lot of insight on. Uh, and why don't we just jump right to those Steelers? You know, this offseason has been, I would say, probably a difficult one uh, for the Steelers with some interesting uh, characters in the locker room. And uh, I wanted to get sort of your insights into into what you think is going on there in Pittsburgh land.
1: Well, listen, um, actually, I have this saying. I've used it. I use it all the time. I use it in the league that I'm in right now. Um, and, and actually, I got it when I coach, and I really use it as a parent too. Um, a coach slash parent have all the power but no control. Once your kids leave the front door of your home, I mean, you just hope that all the things that you've taught them, you know, they're able to apply. Um, that's why the friends they're around, who they're associating with matters. Um, and from a football playing perspective, once you enter the white lines or leave the building of your facility, you know, it's on you. Coach doesn't have a – uh not going to control you. He has all the power, but he can't control you when you go inside the white lines. That's why – when some players do the right things versus the wrong things, that matters. That's the difference between winning and losing. When you do stuff off the field or outside that building, you know, you are a reflection of yourself and that organization. But um, it's not a babysitting league, you know. And when you look at what is the um, Le'Veon Bell deal, I'll never understand that uh, that agent um, guidance, he, you know, to rob yourself of a prime of your year. Because you know, everybody talking Well, he uh, saved his body, um, yeah, and he lost a year of his prime that he will never get back. Along with about fifteen million dollars, he will never recover. He is going to get what he's, he's a excellent football player. He's going to get what the market value is. But they're not going to add fifteen million dollars onto that. He's <laughs> not going to do it. Nobody's going to do that. And they're going to also have to take into consideration he's only played one year where he finished. He just lost a year, hasn't played. So, you know, there's going to be rust. Yeah, he he, did he get beat up? No, but he lost a year of his prime. Now, you know, he's getting closer to 30. Now i got to look at how I structure this deal. So it's not going to be um, – you're going to be disappointed. Um, you know, now, when you say disappointed, I don't think anybody listening to this would be disappointed if you got $40 million and nearly <laughs> all that's guaranteed. I, mean, I don't think anybody disappointed. That's why – How you give up $15 million um, with the rationale you think you're going to make it up is ludicrous, Um, ludicrous thinking. Um, Antonio Brown, uh, you know, as soon as you got to create departments here, is he a a fun-loving guy? Yes. Does he work hard? Yes. Did he quit on your team? Yes. And at the end of the day, that's what matters. When the things got tough, when things were bad, what did you do? You quit. You walked out on your team. And every interview I've heard, not one time is he accountable for anything. Not one time. it's they did it, he did it, that's the problem. He's not the problem. It's the kind of player you don't win championships with. When you have players that are all about excuses with no solutions, you're going to have a problem. Because if you think that he's going through, and I don't care where he goes, that he's now going to be a solution guy and a team guy, you have lost your mind. He is going to be exactly who he is. So if things go well, if he touches the ball eight to 10 times a game and he has those numbers, and let me just share a little thing about expectation. No matter where he goes, there'll be a level of expectation. It will be almost impossible for him to meet because when they goes to whoever he goes, people are going to be thinking this guy has over hundred receptions. He has like 1800 yards and guess what? He's going to do that or more. I'll tell you, that's coming. Well, let's say we're at week eight. And those things aren't—he's not even close to forty receptions. Let's say he's about four hundred yards. Can you imagine what's going to be happening in the media? And then how's he going to handle that? And usually, and I was listen—I know this from experience. I know it's not easy to start over. When I went from being in Pittsburgh for nearly a decade, and I go to Pittsburgh to Chicago, I mean, I now have to new place to live, facilities new, schedules new, everything's new. You know, I'm not familiar with everything. I don't have a routine. I mean, it, it, I really – I remember being uncomfortable. It was hard. It just because just I played – as long as I played in the NFL didn't make – I surely knew about the league. I know who I'm playing. But it was different. I mean, I was – you know, I didn't have the same rhythm. Um I didn't have the same thing that I had in Pittsburgh. Now, unfortunately, my career ended prematurely, and I never got to experience what my second year would have been like. But I will tell you this. I know this would have been a heck of a lot better than my first year based on just being comfortable and knowing where I'm going. So, you know, that's going against you and that's not easy. So, uh, it's unfortunate, you know, that, that, that all these players, they fail to, uh, they fail to get it and then, or they'll get it when it's too late. You know, oh. it's going to be over and it's going to end, it's going to end bad versus end good when you have that type of ego approach and greed approach.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you're not too optimistic on their success after, uh, for lack of a better phrase, stunts that they pulled this year.
1: Yeah, but listen, there's a lot of things that take that have to take place. Okay, if AB wants a better quarterback than Ben Roethlisberger. Really, really, really. <laughs> there's so, not many better. Really, yeah. Um, well, I can think. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're on one hand, we can start discussing that one. Okay, is that going to happen? Um, how are they going to, what kind of philosophy are they using? How they implement you? You know, how do you fit in with that chemistry? How do you develop, to build that chemistry? How long is that going to take? That doesn't happen overnight, right? Um, if you look at Ben and AB in the very beginning, they sure in the heck aren't like they were the year four, five, six, or seven. Okay, mm-hmm. so that ain't going to happen right off the bat. That's going to take time. You know, same as Le'Veon Bell, I mean, where are you going to go? You know, how are they going to feature you? You know, what are the, what's the personnel around you? You know, there's just a lot of variables there that um, these players forget. They think it's all about them. And when you have that mindset and approach in in team sports, it usually ends up bad.
0: There's certainly no arguing the talent that both those players possess. They clearly have done some things that that other players have been unable to do previous to them. With that said, though, when you look at, especially in and Bell's case, When you look at the emergence of a James Conner, you look at the emergence of a CJ Anderson in relation to Todd Gurley. Do you think that Levian's value has, has taken a dip some?
1: Yes, I think, uh, yeah, I I don't, I think, I think there'll be, there'll be value, but is he like a freak among freaks and separates himself? No. People have to look at that very hard, you know, to, to your point. Um, they're gonna that's why you look at his injury record you look at he look he just lost a year of his prime. where's his age? I got to protect myself and watch out for myself from that perspective so all of those are going to be key factors in it and and listen, is there always that team that will say, listen, we're going after him they just they still go after him for the market value. They're not going to go in for the market value plus fifteen million. Hmm. he's not going to do that nobody. I'll be careful because there's always somebody that's that dumb to do something like that. You know, I'm never going to say there's not somebody (laughs) who's just dumb enough to do that. But you almost can't financially put yourself in that position, you know, and there's no need to because there's no reason to do it. There is no reason to do it. You know, that's what I'm going to. Like, he isn't at a place where he's just like, okay, we have to do that to get him. You you don't. There's not going to be two teams, because you're going to need two players in that role. And you, I just, I don't see it. I, do, I, do I see the market value? Sure. But they're not going to add 15 onto it and 15 million just because you lost 15 million to make you feel better.
0: Did you catch any of the combine this past weekend?
1: Yeah, I've been watching it on and off while I'm, I'm getting ready to practice, but I, I, I haven't focused on it by any stretch.
0: What uh, did, did you attend the combine when, uh, when you were coming I did. out? I did. What yeah, are your worst, worst What are your memories combine. of worst, that experience? What was your memories of that
1: event? An epic debacle. <laughs> oh, it might wow. be the worst. It be the worst worst uh, combine in combine history. Thank the Lord they didn't have. I asked for tape. I was actually searching for some tape. I called the league and NFL Films, and they're like, "Ah, oh, we didn't have film back then on it." I'm like, "Thank." I mean, in a way, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord, it was one. <laughs> I I got the flu about five days before I went. Because I remember the biggest concern for me was I was on so many, so many antibiotics and medication just to get there. I'd lost like 10 pounds. I came in at like 209, 205. I mean, I'm, I'm coming into fullback. I mean, and if you remember Alonzo Highsmith out of Miami, yep. Yep. so you go by, you go out alphabetical and Roger Vick, Highsmith and myself were considered like some of the three best fullbacks coming out that year. And that's where our fullbacks were going in the first round. You know, when you think about where the league was in 87. Mm. And I got to be behind Highsmith, who Highsmith is, you know, about the same, we're about the same height, six one, six two, 6'2", but he's about 235, okay? I'm about 205. <laughs> I mean, I'm sick as a dog. And I was telling people that, like, you do all kinds of exercise, things that you don't even see in the combine. Like, they do these measurements to, like, your, your quad hamstring um, balance, right? And have these machines, you do it. And so I was telling people the other day that – um Highsmith gets in there and then they put, you know, they put you in a leg, like a leg extension curl machine. And then you just go as hard as you can to show, you know, your quad hamstring balance. Okay. Well, like he's doing it. And like smoke's coming off the machine. Right. <laughs> just like, Poof. I get in, they put me in there and they say, go. And I'm like, ah oh. they didn't move. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> oh, to get, like, oh. I couldn't even move it. I was like, Oh my gosh. I was, anyway, that's how it started. I, and I'm not going to bore you with the rest of it. It was just, an epic failure. There was more concern about the medication I was taking so that when I got drug tested, it didn't come up positive mm. than than anything that I did there. I did nothing to impress anybody or change their mind. In fact, I was projected to go in the fifth round to the Raiders when I went there. Um I ended up you know, going in the tenth round to the Steelers. So I did nothing to help myself there. Mm. But
0: ultimately, everything turned out for the best for you.
1: Yeah, it did. You're exactly right. It, you know what? It, it, it was the means to the end, and I did what I had to do the best way I could do it.
0: Talk to me about uh, your call football uh, for for a show that's by the fan for the fan. This sounds like something right up our audience's alley.
1: Well, I'm going to tell you this. If you want to make a little bit of money, if you've ever played Madden, if you've ever thought, you know what, um, I'd like to be a coordinator, call plays, this is your chance. Tonight at 8 o'clock our second game. Uh, you can go to the website, yourcallfootball.com. That gives you all the details. The app you can load is free. Um, playing is free. We gave over $70,000 away last year. There's a million dollars for the perfect game called. And it uh, gives you a chance to call all our plays. So basically what I do on every down and distance, because I'm the offense coordinator as well, is I put what we call a bundle of plays up on the screen. There's three plays. They're diagram, explained, and fans vote. After 10 seconds, the majority of votes go to play two. Play two comes to me, and I send play two in, and that's what that's we run. Fans control the whole game. The only thing that we do that fans don't control is at the last minute of game, we can spike it just to stop the clock. But we can't execute a play. We've got to wait for the fans to vote. So um, fans control everything. It's their, it's their chance to be involved actively in live football.
0: This sounds wonderful, Merrill. And quite frankly, you know, I, I think I need to be sort of like in your ear and, and, and letting you know, no, don't go with what the fans have called. They called the wrong play, man. You gotta go with something yep. else.
1: <laughs> that's been, that's been, that's been dis- discussed. And just so the fans are confident in knowing, no matter what I think, even though I put in what I, um, uh, the, the play, I do give a coach a suggestion. Um, mm. I can't change it. I got to stay with them.
0: Okay. Okay. What, um, what was week one like? How did, how did the fans do in week one? Did you, well, did I'll you, be
1: honest with you they, they did a good job. I, we, we let them down. We mm. really did. I, we, we, um, as a staff, we came in here and here's what was all this disturbing thing about it. We practiced so well. I knew that they they outman us a little bit in a few areas that I was concerned about. And so, um, I expect that they're, you know, they're good football players on the other side too. So it isn't like you're going to win all of them. We just had breakdowns everywhere, the entire, the entire offense from obviously blind quarterbacks, receivers, running backs. Now we did a much better job this week. I think as a staff, we cleaned things up, makes it for more quick passing game and some stuff that will help us be more successful. So we did our part. I thought the players did their part and hopefully this, um, tonight we play much better.
0: Now is is Solomon a coach on the other team?
1: Yeah, Solomon Wilcox is. Listen,
0: you can't you can't let a defensive player you know show up the offensive player's team, Merrill.
1: This is unacceptable. Um, yeah, I'm with you, brother. I have uh, that has fallen on deaf ears here. So, um <laughs> but, I love my players. They they've done a heck of a good job, and that's why I, I go back to what I I may have said this earlier. A coach has all the power, but no control. You know, that's why I try to really let them know that this this is their game. You know, this is you guys. I mean, when scouts come in and look at you, they look at what goes on inside the white lines. So you have a chance to put on a display of who you really are. So who is that? Remember, every down matters. And when we're down by 14, if you're jogging and walking, that tells you who you are. And then scouts know who you are, and that's not who they want. So... Hopefully tonight that um, – like I said, I told them, I don't care about scoreboard. I really don't. And listen, what we don't want to do is we want to – we least have a lot of successful plays and score points for our fans. That's ultimately what we want. But as long as they give me everything they got, they look in the mirror and go, I did. I've tried every play. I lined up right. I ran my depth route. I, I caught the ball. I blocked. I, I did everything 100 miles an hour. I did it with great energy the entire game we're going to be fine no matter what what the scoreboard says. You know, we'll have success, and our fans will have had success calling plays for us.
0: Now you've got players that have played in the NFL. I'm guessing there are some players that haven't. Are there guys that you see can play on Sunday in the fall too?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. we we got got a right tackle. His name is Machado. Really has – he is so close that um, it's just about being consistent for him. And it's the little details that matter. And oftentimes, and that's what we're trying to do in this league too, is clean those things up, help them with those things um, so that they can go to the NFL or XFL, you know, alliance. So, um, and that's what this league is all also about, is helping players get those reps, teach them the little things they might be lacking in their game to help them get that last piece to the puzzle to complete them as a player. But we also really focus too on developing good men too, you know. Life's work, it's not uh not just football, you know, life football's a great a great team game, uh and it's a great team sport, but life's a great team game and we're gonna have our life's work, we're gonna do more than that. We're gonna do that longer than we're gonna play football, so the things we can learn on a football field do translate to our life's work and doing that combination for our players is important.
0: So many great things from you, Merrill. Appreciate you spending some time with us here on the Next Fan Out Podcast. If you want to get involved, it's yourcallfootball.com. Uh, they've got a game Monday night. They've got two more games, uh, for their entire season. So go in there, maybe make yourself a little money. You can try and get the perfect game call, but we all know Since I'm not, uh, well, I might play. We'll see. Once I play, then we'll have the perfect game. That's, that's what it all comes down to here,
1: Merrill. Bring it on, brother. We'd love to see, we'd love to give a million dollars away. Call the perfect play. Merrill Hodge,
0: where can people, uh, get in touch with you if they want to follow any of the the things that you want to, you want to let people know on how to get better in life? You
1: know, at Merrill Hodge, that's M E R R I L H O G E Um, because there's no two L's, there's one L, there's no D and Hodge. I don't know what my ancestors are thinking, but it's just at Merrill Hodge. You can do that on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and um, uh, follow us. We'll give you all the information and help you along with the play calling for tonight.
0: Awesome. Merrill, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Hopefully we can talk to you again down the road.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, my friend. Be good, buddy.
0: There goes Merrill Hodge, yourcallfootball.com. Sorry I wasn't able to get that to you uh, yesterday uh, on Monday, but uh, hey, you still got two more Mondays left. Yourcallfootball.com Go sign up. Go make yourself some money. Uh, If you're not competing against me, you never know. Uh, I could certainly use a buck or two. Uh, Tip your driver, as we talked about with Matt Williamson. Uh, Next fan up at gmail.com That's how you get in touch with us. The easiest way uh, via email, or you can go to our Facebook page facebook.com slash podcast, and of course we're on Twitter at nfu podcast. Reach out. Let us know what you want to talk about. There's going to be a lot of big free agents coming. Want to hear from you. Want to get your input. We'll be back next week on Thursday. All right? I know today is Tuesday. You're getting used to this Tuesday thing. But we'll be back again on Thursday next week, breaking it all down, giving you the first reactions as free agency kicks off and the new NFL season begins. With that, there you have it. Here's Andy Dalton.
1: I never even heard his – His interview so I don't know the context in which it was said I don't know what he said before I don't know what he said after so I still haven't seen it I'm not going to watch I don't care you know but you know I've got no ill will towards Jay there's no feud between me and Jay I think Uh, we lost the game he said what he said and you know we're moving on that's in the past now